Bring me little water, Sylvie. Bring me little water now. Bring me little water, Sylvie. Every little once in a while. Don't you see me coming? Don't you see me now? Don't you see me coming? Every little once in a while. Bring me little water, Sylvie. Bring me little water now. Bring me little water, Sylvie. Every little once in a while. Bring it in a bucket, Sylvie. Bring it in a bucket now. Bring it in a bucket, Sylvie. Every little once in a while. Bring me little water, Sylvie. Bring me little water now. Bring me little water, Sylvie. Every little once in a while. See me come running. See me coming now. See me come running. Every little once in a while. Sylvie, come. remembering the last song of the last set of the last night of another folk festival when Sweet Honey in the Rock closed out the night with their mesmerizing a cappella performance. I choose that word carefully, mesmerizing. 1980, the third festival now moved to Spanish banks. Four black women gather in a semicircle around the microphone in front of thousands of suddenly silent listeners, singing the song of a thousand years. And partway through one of the songs, I realize my heart is beating exactly in the rhythm of the music. But it doesn't phase out a rhythm in a few seconds. It goes on for the whole song. And I think of African tribes gathering around an elephant playing drums to the beat of its giant heart, then slowing the rhythm until the great creature falls to its knees. Can that even be true? I don't know, but that's what I heard. And that's what I experienced one July night in 1980. At that same festival, I met some of my musical heroes, the original Sloth Band. Heard them play, and then on Friday or Saturday night, leaving the festival grounds, I saw Ken Whiteley heading for the gate with his brother Chris lugging his stand-up bass, and I accosted those poor souls with all my fanish enthusiasm. I asked Chris if maybe they would play Little Black Train at their Sunday morning workshop. He didn't make any promises, but yeah, they did. Get all your business right uh -huh. 
Original Sloth Band, Ken and Chris Whiteley and Tom Evans. I found their records in a bin in a used record store in Edmonton just before I left that town. Had never heard of them before. And to this day, I am the only original Sloth Band fan I know. There have to be more of us. I've just never met one. Maybe you are one now. Blues, gospel, jug band music, early jazz like Bessie Smith, and rhythm and blues like this rendition of the Silhouette's 1957 hit. Every day at quarter nine, she gets me out of my bed to cry and get a job. Yeah, breakfast every day, she throws a walnut in my face, but you never hear me say, get a job. Making Beds with Cordelia at the Avalon Motel in Osuyas, summer 1973. She could sing Desperado, just like Linda Ronstadt. I showed her hospital corners and how to smooth sheets, like my mother taught me. She didn't have one, a mum. Thrown out of the house for nothing, according to her, and I believed her, believed the worst of fathers in general, temper tantrums, hard hands, and drinking. She wouldn't talk about him, not a thing. But I remember something about two bitchy sisters, one with a name like venereal disease, while Cordelia, she walked right out of a magazine with her long legs and sort of private smile. Smart, too, though she didn't show off like I did, or mouth off, either. I taught her how to tuck a bedspread under pillows, then curve it snug like a tight t-shirt. She had the knack. When she wasn't around, I tried to talk and dress and wear my hair like her, be patient with my little niece, be nicer than I was, or am. She lived alone in our trailer out back of the motel, beside the slough we called the lake, saving up for university, she said. Sometimes after work, we'd lie together under the walnut tree. I'd play with her hair while she read Tess, rich green leaves breaking the heat of an Okanagan afternoon. I always thought she'd get discovered, like that Dairy Queen girl, that she'd marry a millionaire. Strange thing is, 
I was the one who kind of made it in the end, the one with a house and European holidays. But Cordelia, she was making her way for a while. Then somehow it went bad again, a man, some dark angel following her. Sorting cherries. We sat in lines on either side of the belt's endless loop. Across from me, a woman in her fifties, black hair dull with dye, flanked by cronies. She listed infirmities as numerous as the cherries rolling by. Her hands darted, deft as a lace maker, picked out the split and the bruised. Beside me, the tough girls I drank with in high school, the ones who still smoked, who had sex in the back of Camaros belonging to boyfriends who worked at the mill, girls who weren't headed to university when summer was over. After eight days, the whistle blew for break and the belt stopped. I fell off my stool, mesmerized. The foreman moved me up the chain, alone, I pushed boxes of beans around a corner. When that crop was done, we all got laid off until the next call came. I never went back. 
Some nights before sleep, I see them glide by a stream of profligate hearts. Avalon. It was a fast food joint on Highway 3 where it turned into Main Street. Picnic tables in the breezeway, credence screaming up around the bend on the jukebox. No drive-through windows like today. People had to park, get out of their cars. My father was boss, shape-shifted from grease monkey in his own garage to short order cook. Short temper cook, more like it. Hotter than burgers sizzling on the grill. Hotter than chips in the deep fat fryer. Him and his shout and his bottomless rum and coke just inside the cooler door. Scariest thing for me was making chicken dinners when he was crazy busy and the grill was packed. I'd crank up the flames under the pressure cooker in the back. Drop thighs, legs, breasts, wings, into popping oil, then twist the metal top on tight as I could. Timing was critical, and I was racing up front with customers at windows, making change with fingers burnt from bagging burgers. Milkshakes whizzed on metal sticks while I erected dazzling ziggurats of soft ice cream cones. All the time at the back, the pressure built. Always, I expected the explosion. My father's holler, flying metal, boiling oil, fast food shrapnel, casualties. When the cooker's valves got flipped up, they screamed like murder, smeared the air with steam and grease. I served up impossible crispy gold in a cardboard container. For years, I wore burn scars on the soft insides of my arms. They are faded, almost gone. So is my father. Nowadays, summer never gets that hot. Three poems by Bowen Island poet Susan Alexander. You don't know Susan's poetry? Well, you do now, and you need to know more of it. Get yourself a copy of The Dance Floor Tilts from Thistledown Press. I'm not much for awards, but Susan won the 2019 Ross and Davis Mitchell Prize for Faith and Poetry. Ten thousand bucks right there. That's pretty good coin for a poet and worth every penny. I passed those poems along to my buddy Dan, who moved to the Okanagan last year, just in time for the fires. Good move, Dan. But a Soyuz sorting cherries, Highway 3, I figured he had to read these. And he loved them. I hope he shares them around the neighborhood. Dan tells me the Avalon hasn't disappeared. They're still in business. Simple property offering down-to-earth rooms. He writes, What is rapidly disappearing are the workers to work those places. Help wanted signs in every second establishment. The fast food chains are paying 16 bucks an hour. It's not unusual for a preteen to be handing you your coffee, pressed into service by the desperate franchise owner. Maybe their mom or dad. The biggest hotel in Soyuz lost 35 staff last month, scared back to the prairies and Quebec by the recent wildfires, a wall of flame that burned right up to the property line. So the summers are still hot, in more ways than one. 
and the patrons are here in groves, reclogging Main Street once the wildfire smoke lifted. All of them searching for a simple, down-to-earth experience in a compromised Eden, trying to stay patient as the kitchens close early because of the dearth of staff to cook and serve. In the middle of those poems, you heard Desperado from the Langley School's Music Project CD, Innocence and Despair. That was recorded at Glenwood Elementary School in 1976, an obscure school choir and band recording that became a huge phenomenon on New York Alternative Radio about a quarter of a century later, haunting classics of what was considered outsider art. Neil Gaiman wrote, I find myself calling friends, turning the Langley School's music project up really loud, holding the phone out and going, can you hear that? It transcends the kitsch limitations that seem designed to keep it earthbound and soars off into the realm of true art. It flies crooked as a butterfly's flight, but it still flies. I wish every school taught music like this. I wish every piece of music recorded in a school gymnasium were this haunting. And then I suspect that if I listened to them right, maybe they would be. Okay, the listlessness of midsummer is easing up, and the staff here at Soul Food have been inundated, inundated, I tell you, by your lists of favorite summer songs, listener lists. A prime example would be a fine set of songs from Nelson, not the place, the person, who brings forth treasures new and old, 
for a listen in a backyard, a road trip, on the beach, or a yacht, or what have you. Have at it and enjoy, says Nelson. Nelson, Nebo, to his close friends, goes on to say, These are among my personal favorite summer tunes, as opposed to some attempt at a list of the best or greatest of all time, or even in my lifetime. Just Nellie B's Summer Jams. They're tunes I associate with summer for some reason, whether the song is explicit about summery themes or not. They may have what I think of as a cool vibe, a great groove, a killer bass line, sweet vocal harmonies, songs that make me feel good, like dancing or relaxing or saying to a pal, isn't that a fantastic song? He's got Bill Withers, Tears for Fears, Stevie Wonder, Katrina and the Waves. I bet you can guess what song that is. Natalie Press, new to me, as are Dua Lipa and Da Baby, Asto Color and Kaylee Thomas. Nelson has been so good as to put his playlist up on Spotify. Just search for Top 10 Tunes of Summer by NJB71. Those are small letters, NJB71. I bet you can guess how old Nelson is. Just saying. It's well worth a summer listen. Check it out if you got Spotify. And you can get Spotify for free. You just have to listen to the occasional ad. It's bearable. But right here and now, on a radio show that has no ads, bearable or not, a number from Nelson's list that was already an absolute personal fave of my own having to do with the Richmond Idol talent show, but that's another story. A song that now layers in memories of spinning jazz records on the back deck on a summer's night with some friends. That tune's going to be followed by a new-to-me but instant fave that gave me chills the first time I heard it. Nelson calls it a near-perfect song, the musical depiction of a glorious dusk on a summer evening. Casey Musgraves can do no wrong. But first, girls, put your records on. Play me your favorite song. Stronger when you're gonna realize that 
fantastic song a fantastic pair of songs summer came like cinnamon so sweet little girls double dutch on the concrete glad to have kareen bailey ray back in my life and something tells me i'm going to be listening to a lot more casey musgraves in the next while and that whole darn playlist thanks nelson I figured there'd be a lot more Latin on Soul Food Ghost Light this summer, and I'm not talking about some dead language. But summer goes by too fast, doesn't it? Before we move on to things more autumnal in a few weeks' time, here's one that sounds like a lost recording from the Buena Vista Social Club sessions. La Brisa. The Breeze. Latin than you might have thought, Spencer Capier, official mandolinist of Pacific Theater and purveyor of fine and obscure board games. From the exotic shores of North Vancouver, that's on Spencer's mostly instrumental album, Musical Chairs, 
You can pick up a copy on Carol and Aaron's website. That's A-R-E-N-D-S, not E-R-R-A-N-D-S. Those kind of errands are a different thing entirely. Last summer, God spoke to me on a beach just south of Tofino, where he'd spoken to me before. It, it doesn't feel quite right to say he spoke. There were no words, audible or otherwise. No particular message, nothing he'd have me do. No heavenly fatherly advice. Just, well, actually, there were words, come to think of it. I'll get to that in a minute. Last summer, I spent a week with my Tofino family, my daughter Thea and her husband Lalo, and little not-quite-four-year-old Rosa and even littler-not-quite-one-year-old Tony at that time. Many adventures together. But I tried to get out on my own for a while each day to the beaches or the woods or to stroll around town. Late one evening, it was getting on nine, I headed on over to Mackenzie Beach. The whole of that piece of coastline from Tofino to Euclulet, what Jack Hodgins called the ragged green edge of the world, is more than just my favorite place. It's also holy ground. And I suppose the Holy of Holies is one stretch of sand where my family parked our tent trailer on our first Vancouver Island vacation when I was, what, 12 or 13 years old, bordered by the sea, the west coast rainforest, and rocky headlands to the north and south. That night I walked across the sands and listened to the surf, clambered around the rocks to the north, and as the fog settled in and it got darker, bonfires and campfires began to spark to life on the beach little clusters of people settling or orbiting around each one. Far more people than when we used to visit there, but it's a big beach. And it was good. I don't remember now whether I decided to play George Harrison on my portable radio, I mean iPhone, just then, because I connected it with memories of one of our trips to that coast, or whether I'd already been listening to a little trio of his songs on that trip that I'd recorded off scratchy vinyl sometime before and gotten onto my iPhone. As much as God was already speaking to me without words that whole holy time, now there were definitely words there in the dark, with the waves and the deep and sheltering forest, the fog and the scattered campfires and the muted voices.
that song took me back to another Tofino trip, camping on that same beach when I was 18, pining for a girl and yearning for a deeper taste of God. I thought back to another darkening evening when I had gone as far out as I could on the rocks that mark the southern end of the beach and losing myself in a book about spiritual revival that was going on in those heady days, Jesus' people and all that mind-bending, world-altering, soul-shaking stuff. And I found it harder and harder to keep reading that night back in the 1970s, but I pushed through until I finished and I looked up. And I realized that the reason it had gotten harder and harder to read was that it had become quite dark out. So I tucked my paper back into my back pocket and began to pick my way back to land only to realize the tide had risen quite high. I wasn't entirely sure I could even get back. I did, don't worry. In those days, George's post-Beatles songs, full of spiritual devotion and longing, were important to me. And listening now, 45 years later, to the same vinyl scratches and pops from those same singles that I wore out back in those heady days, I heard from God just as potently, as reassuringly, as I had all those years ago. And that song became my musical prayer for a good while longer that summer. I mean, I suppose it was my prayer, though that makes it sound like I was saying those things to God, asking that from God, which I, I suppose I was, but more to the point, it was God speaking those things to me, into me, calming my heart, not so much me talking as God, which I'm quite sure is also prayer. I was quite sure it was God, not just coincidence and memory, but who's to say? Until February this year, just a week and a half after I got my honorable discharge from Pacific Theater and headed back out to Tofino, or as my then four-and-a-half-year-old says, because she can't quite get her mouth around to Tofino. I went to Afino. One afternoon, the sun was out, and I slipped away from that busy little family and made my pilgrimage to the holy ground, knowing full well that the Shekinah glory doesn't often rest in the same place for repeat visits. I was playing Tough City Radio in the car, and as I pulled onto the gravel road that runs down to Mackenzie Beach, the wet coast February gray suddenly thinned out, and the sun blossomed through the clouds like an on-the-nose lighting cue in a movie. And as I pulled into the pretty much empty off-season, pandemic-depleted parking lot, the song they were playing came to an end, and a woman's voice came on the air. She spoke the aboriginal name of a holy place on that coast, a Tlequat word meaning peaceful, protected waters, an especially holy place, also known as Mackenzie Beach, she said. And then they cut straight to this song.
is my friend George again, welcoming me back to that holy place one more time. Here's a surreal coda to the whole thing. On a glorious Saturday afternoon about a month ago, I finished up some project or obligation or chores or errands or something, and I headed over to Steveston to buy myself a Premier League lunch, a steak and mushroom pie, some sweets and crisps and a ginger beer, so I could watch some football the next day. It must have been during the Euros now that I think of it. Even driving my sweet little Mini Cooper was a joy that day. Just one of those times when life is full and, and you're full of life. Walking along the Steveston streets, there seemed to be something in the air. People smiling and looking great. Bit of a breeze off the water, glorious late afternoon sunshine. And I'm thinking of Van Morrison. Wouldn't it be great if it was like this all the time? And as I walked up to the British shop, corner of Chatham at first, it really is tops. I saw the shop owner back up her car and open up the boot to unload a bunch of boxes. If Central Casting sent over somebody for the role of little old lady English shopkeeper, it would be her. So I asked if I could help, and I carted a few armloads of boxes into the shop, set them on the floor behind the counter for her feeling all Leave It to Beaver and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and Truman Show and Pleasantville and Living Color. Picked out my football feast to the soundtrack of 60s British pop music piped in over the tannoy. I put my purchases on the counter, and she pushes my packets of crisps back across to me. Those are for lending a hand, love. And I kid you not, what tune starts to play? What can I say? It's too contrived to put in a Hallmark movie. Too improbable to include in a testimony. Then again, it's hard to believe... This was only a matter of chance.
That's a rare vinyl single that I picked up at a Daniel Amos concert soon after coming home from CalArts. A side project by Rob Watson, the DA keyboard player, under the moniker Body and Soul. The B-side of that record is the C.S. Lewis-inspired Greylands. Hey, the Inklings go new wave. Okay, that, that's what I called it. That's not what Rob Watson. Anyway. Daniel Amos were the warm-up band for somebody else I had no interest in, so after they finished their set, I made my way backstage, introduced myself, and told Terry Scott Taylor about this idea I had for a post-apocalyptic play. It, it's, it's harder than it looks. Just say it yourself a few times. Post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic play. Say that five times fast. See if you could be a DJ, okay? Don't criticize. I told... Jeez, <laughs> this guy gets so weird sometimes. So unprofessional. He'll never get a job on CBC. I introduced myself. I told Terry Scott Taylor about this idea I had for a post-apocalyptic play inspired by Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And could I maybe get dubs of the original tapes for their record Doppelganger that I could remix as the soundtrack for the play. The friendly post-punk rockers shared their Chinese food with me. The affable Mr. Taylor said he'd be happy to. But things went a different direction. The post-apocalypse story got tied to Christmas, and the Doppelganger music didn't seem to fit right anymore, and we had Remnant instead but I sure think fondly of the Daniel Avis boys and the audacity of youth. Well, it's late, well after midnight, so let's finish up. I'm going to play you the tune that has been my ultimate late, late night song of this summer. Boz Skaggs, 2001, Miss Riddle. I play it a lot of nights to drift off to sleep. Hope you like it as much as I do. Good night, everybody. But you came and turned inside out Hey, Miss Riddle, I'm stuck in the middle
I found out what those dizzy heights can bring Cause I found your lips are awfully nice One stops other paradise What you say is real, but say we do it again Again, again Again, again. 